This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. I'm Caleb Brown. In the social sciences, Herbert Spencer once loomed large. As Libertarianism.org's Paul Meany details, it's a cruel irony that sociology is largely viewed as almost purely left-wing, and that Herbert Spencer, someone who contributed to the birth of sociology, has largely been forgotten. But there is hope for this former rock star philosopher. I spoke with Paul Meany last month. A lot of people sort of poo-poo sociology. Yes. And libertarians are quite possibly chief among them, which is to say that they don't regard it as substantive or they can't get their heads around parts of it. And so they poo-poo it as some sort of silliness. But, you know, economics is sociology, right? It is, it's, inter- it's human interaction in a way that is absolutely worthy of study and absolutely being worthy of being understood. And it can be extremely valuable for it to be well understood. And for people who love liberty and care about ideas, Herbert Spencer looms pretty large. Herbert Spencer is an extremely important thinker, especially in relation to sociology, because he is really one of the people who helped popularize sociology across the globe. Usually conversations about sociology today and 20th century onwards are dominated by talks about Marx. But really, it's actually classical liberals who are the people who help popularize sociology as a legitimate academic discipline. And I think what's more interesting for libertarians to focus upon is that it wasn't just this kind of placid discipline found in the academy. When it spread across the world, it changed how people viewed society and it changed how people viewed government in a very, very dramatic way. And so I think people like Spencer and his disciples that came after him were extremely important in establishing sociology, especially in America. It's a kind of cruel historical irony that now sociology is viewed to be a majority left-leaning subject or one that's completely taken over by the academy when it actually has its roots in an autodidact, Spencer, who was a self-taught philosopher, self-taught scientist, and a lot of other people along those lines, like Adam Ferguson from the 18th century in England, that taught themselves how to do the subject and actually had to fight a really hard uphill battle to legitimate it as a subject because there was many critics who thought sociology was something to be scorned upon. It wasn't a proper discipline. It was merely kind of a halfway house version of political economy. But what Spencer eventually did with sociology, his huge 2000 page book, The Principles of Sociology, was he was basically there for the birth of the academic versions of anthropology and sociology. And it's something that libertarians and classical liberals still remain quite ignorant on because Spencer today has become kind of a disreputed thinker and he's kind of fallen by the wayside. It's only really in the last 20 years that we've seen scholars start to interrogate Spencer and take him seriously again after about 100 years of being dormant. My largest familiarity with Spencer was The Man Versus the State, which I read pieces of a long time ago. And for the most part, I'm otherwise ignorant of, of what he's written, but I found what he wrote there fairly compelling that there are there are rules and he viewed rules as at least the natural rules that govern the universe and our human interactions as beneficial and as long as we understand what they are and we can work with them to help humans flourish. Is that about right? Yeah, we're getting there. What we read today of Spencer, the proper sphere of government, the right to ignore the state, really wasn't his most popular works. He was genuinely a rock star during his lifetime. 
He's possibly the first philosopher to sell a million copies of one of his books while he was alive. Most philosophers had to survive off some sort of wealthy patron, some sort of academic job. Spencer was a self-taught person. He never went to the academy. He was like John Stuart Mill, never went to Oxford or Cambridge. He was kind of against all of that. And so he established new ways of educating himself, new ways of educating other people. We talk about Spencer's political philosophy as libertarians quite a lot and admire that. But what Spencer was known for in his day was bridging a huge gap in Victorian thought. Victorians had a very, Victorian English people had a lot of love for a morality that was about choosing. They liked the idea of a voluntary free will. But at the same time, they couldn't deny a lot of the advances that were being made in science that shows that our free will might be under more question and suspect than we would like to think. And so what Spencer did in his book Social Statics was he showed that evolution is the principle of causation in everything. So Spencer grew up in a small town, Derby, in the English Midlands, and his father was a teacher, but his father was very focused on Spencer educating himself, but also having an empirical education. And so Spencer spent a lot of time as a child kind of roaming around the countryside, picking up bugs and animals and studying them, an empirical education. But while he was doing this, he became obsessed with the concept of causation. What causes all this? What's the first thing? What's the first domino that falls over that causes the cascade? And for Spencer, that was evolution. And that's a controversial idea. Now, Spencer was writing a little bit before Darwin's Origin of the Species, so he kind of talked about a version of evolution called Lamarckianism. And Lamarckianism was the idea that animals inherited their qualities and traits by repeated use from their ancestors. So if I lift lots of weights, it might be reasonable to say my child's going to be very strong. Now, obviously, as a scientific theory, this has been disproven now. But when we apply it to politics, the idea of Lamarckianism doesn't sound that ridiculous. We are what we do, what we continuously do over and over again, and we lay down government precedents that builds upon them. And so Spencer believed that everything could be explained by evolution, including human interaction in human society. And he believed that the world started off as a simple mass, but then through evolution, it subdivides into more and more complex parts. So the story of the world is really a story of simplicity to complexity. And so what Spencer looked back in the history of the world, and what he saw was in that medieval and feudal Europe and prehistoric times, we lived in what we called a militant society, where everyone kind of had the same vision of what to do to fight other people. And he believed militant societies, they're organized entirely around being able to mobilize large militaries to take over other territories. They were all about subsuming self, some, oneself into the collective, working for the collective will. But Spencer says, that the industrial society that he had begun to live in was the next step in evolution of human affairs. Because instead of everyone kind of assimilating into one general culture, industrialism allowed people to choose what to do with their own lives. It's actually the complete opposite of the militaristic approach. And so he thought in his day that freedom was winning. Representative government was coming into play. There was more decentralized concentrations of power, free trade, like nations would stop fighting amongst each other over territories. He thought that they were at the dawn of a new era where humans would have a completely new history to sketch that would be unlike anything before. And Spencer believed evolution was really the reason why government doesn't work is because nature does nothing in vain, but the government does a lot of things in vain. And Spencer thought that human intelligence, while very impressive and important, wasn't enough to manage the whole of society. This was better left up to the spontaneous order of individuals interacting with one another and letting a kind of social evolution take place. And so what Spencer really opposed wasn't just the government was wrong because of ideas of natural law. He was looking at history from a really, really long-term point of view, saying, 
What we do now with the government artificially will get in the way of our future development as a species. I hear echoes of Adam Smith and the theory of moral sentiments. That is specifically the idea that our social interactions create something new. They create norms. They create our ideas about what is acceptable and not acceptable. It seems clear that he would have been influenced by Adam Smith. Not so much. No. Okay. He possibly read Adam Smith, but didn't really, if you go through his works, he doesn't reference Smith a whole lot. What Spencer really was taken by the idea of evolution. It completely challenged his idea of everything and became his obsession for really the rest of his life. And it's kind of a great shame and irony that he believed in a defunct version of evolution. And so evolution kind of evolved past him. And that's why he's kind of a relic to the past now. But I still think that there's a lot of ideas within Spencer that are really important. And one of the most important essays he ever wrote was uh, over legislation. Not exactly his most read essay, but Alberto Mingardi says this, and I completely agree. It's probably one of the most important pieces Spencer ever wrote because it's where Spencer really shows his modern tendencies. There are some parts of Spencer that have aged really poorly, like his scientific theories, but other parts like over legislation sound really modern because what he lays down in uh, over legislation is that government is always bound to fail no matter what, because it's always relying upon the limited knowledge of an individual, not the whole. And so he thinks that the best way for us to solve our problems, come to solutions, is to leave people free to expend their energy in whatever way they think will work best. He thinks that government is basically like an arbitrary solution. It's kind of just putting a you know, duct tape over the breaking wall. And so he says, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, legislators will always be flawed because they can never see they'll cause unintended problems down the line. And so politics is really, you just scoop up some water into a bucket and it has a big hole in it and you'll just keep doing that forever. Because when you legislate for one problem, you create a new problem. And so really what Spencer thought was that politics was not where the future of human history lay. I think he'd be really, really sad to see how much we're still talking about politics uh, hundreds of years on. Spencer believed that politics was not salvation for humans. What was salvation for humans was individual self-improvement. Spencer's quite often insulted as a dog-eat-dog kind of thinker, but why Spencer thought laissez-faire capitalism was so brilliant was because unlike the militaristic societies that came before that really were dog-eat-dog, industrial capitalism allowed everyone to reach their potential and to find new ways to flourish. So in terms of the works that he was popular for in his time, you can find he was very influ extremely influential among a lot of literary figures in a way that is a little surprising. But in terms of his most popular works at the time and the influences of those works, what were they? In my opinion, really one of the most popular works and enduring for the history of sociology would be The Study of Sociology, published in 1873. I wouldn't ask you to go read it because it's 2,000 pages long. But a lot of scholars have commented how it really is one of the most ambitious endeavors ever taken in sociology to establish the subject from basically ground zero. And so a lot of what we complain about today with sociologists on the left really comes from Spencer in some ways, his evolutionary view of society. It's also a major force in the rise of anthropology and sociology in America, very importantly, and influences a lot of important American thinkers, Lester Frank Ward and William Graham Sumner, to name a few. So I think principles of sociology is his most influential book in history. However, that does not mean one should go off and read it because it is very complicated, very long, filled with evidence. His other very influential book at the time was Social Statics. And Social Statics is again another 10 volume, you don't want to read this book kind of ordeal. 
So if I had to recommend something fun to read that would actually make a lot more sense and not be full of 19th century scientific terms, I would say The Proper Sphere of Government is an excellent set of letters by Spencer where he talks about very simply where government should start and where government should end. What I find very compelling about these essays is that they're very simple, very clear, unlike other parts of his writing. But what Spencer does is he puts the individual over the corporation in some ways. So he thinks government exists because it's kind of like a corporation that comes up, a corporation being many bodies coming together, and people coming together in the state of nature to try and solve their problems, that they're coming up, they're conflicting with one another, and it's some sort of third party to arbitrate these disputes and bring justice. And that's what Spencer thought the government was and nothing more. The government exists to stop fraud, to stop force, and everything else is left up to individuals to decide what they want to do. Paul Meany is editor for Intellectual History at Libertarianism.org. We spoke last month. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.